Leadership File on Premiere. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. If you were to ask church leaders to give you the mission statement for their church, chances are that discipleship would feature somewhere in the mix. The challenge for most church leaders is not saying that they want to make disciples, but deciding what this means and actually doing it. I'm joined this week by Tony Pullin, the author of Making Disciples, How Did Jesus Do It? Uh, a book which aims to discuss what it might take for a local church to make disciples in the 21st century. So, Tony, welcome to the Leadership File. Thank you. Good to, Hi, good to welcome you. You were, you were in business before you were working in and around churches. So tell us about your career path before we head on into looking at the, the book itself. Yeah, uh, well, I had, a, had an unusual start, I suppose, because... Uh, my parents were missionaries, and I was in the British West Indies, as it was then called, for eight years uh, of my growing up time. And uh, my formal schooling actually finished when I was 12. Uh, I was then kind of engaged in the work, as we used to call it. So uh, at the age of 16, back in this country, I actually, my first job was as a postboy for a builder's merchant in Bristol. Uh, it's long gone since in the, in the redevelopment of Bristol City Centre. But uh, after a few years' uh, experience with builders' merchants, I joined British Gypsum, who were a, and still are, a, a large company uh, manufacturing, supplying uh, products to the building industry. And I had a career with them for 20 years, uh, until the age of 50. Uh, I guess the amazing thing, well, to me is, anyway, that uh, having kind of left school at 12, I, I actually finished up in BG uh, as a senior executive responsible to uh, director level. So I think it was just an amazing example of God's grace and goodness in uh, in helping me to do that. Well, that's that's a terrific story. And uh, had your, your your parents obviously returned from, with you at that point, or had you gone to boarding school? How did how did you get back to the? Well, end? no, um, we we travelled out when I was nine years old uh, on the old Aquitania, one of those four funnel uh, Cunard ships, um, and uh, we were in St Kitts, which no doubt you've heard of. Uh, for three years, and after I was in a, a private school in St. Kitts then for uh, expats. And then we moved on to a very small island, Anguilla, before it was developed and education wasn't uh, possible. And uh, my father took the decision that he'd rather have my brother and me with him than uh, sending us off to a school for missionary children or what have you. So, um, rightly or wrongly, that decision. No, I understand. Um, so, uh, you know, I was actually kind of reading commentaries and, and started preaching at the age of 12 and 13, and uh, uh, it was unusual, to say the least. Well, quite a, quite a start. Now, uh, yeah. let's, turning to this, to this book, Making Disciples, How Did Jesus Do It? Um, obviously, every book has a context from which the author writes, and I just wonder what it was about discipleship that had grabbed you. Yeah, that, that's a good question. I, I, I think, Andy, there were two things, really. The first was that I've had the privilege, 
of experiencing firsthand what discipleship can be. By that I mean in my own life. Uh, in my early 30s, I met uh, a man called John Noble, uh, who was uh, a father figure in the house church, the growing house church movement uh, in Britain at that time. And for the last 40 years, John has been a personal friend and uh, and a mentor. And uh, that has been, for me, uh, an incredible privilege, which has shaped and and changed my life. And I think that experience of, of the benefits of discipleship has meant a great deal to me. The the second thing is that in the last 20-odd years, when I've been uh, back in full-time ministry again, I've had the privilege of being invited into quite a few churches to sit with the leadership teams and talk about how they were doing. And uh, we used to talk about things like relationships across the church, about leadership issues and, and so forth, mission But one of the things which I would see time and time again was that discipleship was uh, invariably a a real issue and a challenge as to how to go about it. So I I think it was those two things, really. Um, Ultimately, the catalyst was two or three very clear prophetic words from from men and women I I trust uh, and esteem. Uh, and in obedience to that, I sat down and began to write. That's terrific. And and you you mentioned John Noble in the book, of course. And uh, yeah, uh, what were the particular things he brought? You mentioned how you know he was a father figure for, for many, but particularly for you. For me personally, hmm. um, that's a long story, Andy. Um, in my <laughs> read, personal, read the book. Yes. <laughs> in my personal journey, in fact, before I met John. Uh, a key factor had been an encounter with the Holy Spirit, which released for me a whole new experience of the grace of God. And um, that had come after uh, damage in childhood uh, from an, an authoritarian father. Uh, and also from an ecclesiastical tradition, which was pretty strong on its particular beliefs. But when I uh, when I was filled with the Spirit, I... It was the grace of God that just overwhelmed me and discovering what my Heavenly Father was really like. And then I met John, and uh, in John I saw someone, I don't know how to put it, but he lived out the grace message. He he clothed it for me in in flesh and blood. And uh, it showed itself in in how he approached relationships, relationships, they were just totally committed, they were honest, they were open, they were transparent. Uh, he, he had a, an amazing serving heart, and uh, he has an amazing serving heart, and, and an incredibly generous attitude towards everyone he, he met. And I think what I saw in John, Andy, was uh, a life that had been laid down for the body of Christ and the growth of God's kingdom. And uh, having been close enough to him over the last 40 years to get to know him fairly well, uh, I think I've learned an awful lot about the Master's heart from uh, observing his life and ministry.
Oh, it's lovely, lovely. So, I don't know if that answers the question. No, it's, lo- well, it's lovely to hear such a, such a wonderful so that's, testimony. That's what it means to me. And so you can imagine out of that kind of experience, you, you, you can see discipleship for what it really can be. And it's something you want to, you want others to share. Indeed, no, sure. Now, in the book, you you illustrate discipleship through the Apostle Peter's life, mm-hmm. uh, and you emphasise some of the risks he took. And I wonder if um, is is his risk taking part of the key to, for you for people growing today? Yes, I, I think I think one of the things that stands out about Peter is he had what I would call the the spirit of a disciple. Uh, I mean, I fell in love with Peter as a teenager, to be honest, uh, on Peter's story. Um, and I guess we all kind of relate to him fairly easily because of his, his vulnerability, his, his frailty, and the kind of guy who was always sticking his head up above the parapet and uh, occasionally got it shot off. Um, but, but yes, um, Peter w- was the one, I think, who kind of drew something out from Jesus by by the way he was he uh, when you read the gospels he's the one that was always asking the questions he he was always trying to draw out he was taking initiatives uh, no one was surprised at, i'm sure that he was the one who jumped over the edge of the boat and he was the one when Jesus had been arrested who 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 tracked uh Jesus and the arresting party back into the city and, and actually actually managed to get into the very courtyard of, of Caiaphas' house. Uh, you know, he, he got himself into trouble because he was taking risks. Uh, uh, he was just kind of all out in wanting to learn and wanting, wanting to know about Jesus and, and to receive from Jesus. So... Yeah, I, I think Peter is just a brilliant... Well, the whole relationship between Jesus and Peter is, is just a fantastic uh, exploration about the nature of a discipling relationship today. Yeah, sure. Now, I mean, the second half of your book looks at the, the challenge of discipleship in today's church and a number of features of, a, of what you call a disciple-making culture. Hmm. And then the last two chapters look specifically at the kind of leadership which fosters such a culture. So um, you look at servant leadership uh, and you also look at a culture of empowerment and release. So um, well, just before, we've got about a minute or so before the break, maybe we could start looking at uh, servant leadership, uh, Tony, um, and, and how that that kind of approach uh, can actually foster the sort of culture that churches need if they're going to mm. enable disciples to, to develop. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, the second part of the book is really about the values that enable us to grow a, a discipling community. And as you observe, I, I refer to that as a what we might call a kingdom culture. Uh, the reason I did that was because having seen that the relationship between Jesus and Peter was a very personal one, it's a very intentional personal discipling, it, it, it immediately raises a question, what kind of leaders would we need to facilitate that kind of discipleship in the local church? Uh, something as personal and as intentional as that. And I think the bottom line answer to that is, is that it has to be the kind that have walked the walk, uh, in that they themselves have been discipled and, and, and have a, dis, a teachable spirit. 
Um, and the first thing, as you say, in the penultimate chapter is about having a servant leadership written on their hearts. Mm. Um, I think it's something that we often say, that leadership is about a heart to serve others. Uh, I'm not sure that we always kind of really get it, because the truth is, it really is. It really is about serving other people. It doesn't sound right, but that's what real leadership is. It's about laying down my life for the sake of those I lead. Uh, and how I lead will be shaped by by that servant heart. Well, we, we're coming, sadly, we're coming to a break, Tony. Maybe we can um, carry on in just a moment. We are listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Tony Pullin. He's the author of Making Disciples, How Did Jesus Do It? We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Tony Pullin. Tony is the author of Making Disciples, How Did Jesus Do It? We were talking before the break, uh, particularly of um, uh, of how the book in the second half looks, and especially at some of the, the features or the values of a, a kingdom or disciple-making culture. Uh, and I sadly had to cut into Tony for, for the break to, as he was talking about servant leadership. So, Tony, maybe you can carry on uh, chatting about uh, the, the kind of leaders that we need to be if we're to, to serve others. Yes. Thank you, Andy. Um, yeah, we, we were talking about servant leadership, and, and I think I was just saying that how we lead as leaders will be shaped by uh, that servant heart. Um I think of it this way, if I'm a leader overseeing the development of discipleship in the church I lead, I have to ask myself some questions, such as, am I accountable? Am I willing to be open about times of weakness? Am I willing to share my own journey? Uh, Can I be vulnerable? Because to be entrusted with responsibility for influencing the lives of others it's just a huge privilege, uh, and it's one that I think we can only approach with a spirit of gentleness and and vulnerability. And that's why I think the, the servant heart, rather than the heart set on ministry development and, and, and my place, my position, uh, one that isn't taken up with management and decision-making, uh, all of those things are part of it, but but is driven by a heart to serve. Because I think that real spiritual authority, true spiritual authority, always honours the body of Christ, and it respects the individual. So uh, I think the servant heart is so important so that there's just you know, no possibility of the spirit of control or the authoritarian approach. Um, the, the, the last chapter, which you mentioned in, in your question, was uh, to do with empowering and releasing others. And uh, again, I think that the servant heart will want to empower and release every single member of the body. I, I've, I've often said that people-centered leaders, they look into people's eyes. And what they see is the potential for greatness. And then they lay down their own lives to see that potential fulfilled. That's the servant heart. 
And I think that's the kind of leadership that can safely be entrusted with overseeing and implementing uh, a discipleship in the model of Jesus in the local church. It's about having the joy of seeing potential turned into fulfillment. That sounds that sounds truly wonderful, Tony. Totally. No, it is very much. I mean, it's uh, you know sadly not not always known and seen in in local church life, but it's uh, certainly a, a wonderful um, wonderful way of, of of approaching leadership. Um, I, I'm just wondering, uh, do you, whether you have a, in your picture that in your mind the kind of life a disciple would le- live in the 21st century? You said, how did Jesus do it? And uh, you know, hmm. obviously, we're translating that to today. Um, are there particular things that you think, well, you know, if you're serious about discipleship, this should characterise you? Well, that's a, that's a... I know it's a long question, that's but a, just... That's a good question, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 well, there are some fundamentals which uh, which I think we're all aware of, but I guess it's, it's kind of putting them in place, really, in, in mm. our lives, isn't it? Uh, I mean, we have to begin... By, by saying that it's about a life that's submitted to what somebody described the other day as the functional lordship of Jesus, as opposed to a doctrinal confession. Right, right, yeah. I just, Jesus in charge, mm. actually in charge of, of the whole of life. Uh, and by the whole of life, I mean mornings, afternoons, evenings. I mean relationships. I mean the TV remote the internet, you know, you name it, the mm. job, the spare cash, the entertainment, yeah. sold out to Jesus. It's it's kind of the, the starting place. Taking time to, to listen to him, particularly in the 21st century, when life is, is just so busy, taking time to look up into his face each day mm. and just receive his love and, and just worship him and listen to his voice. But But I think... I think the second very important thing is that the 21st century disciple is firmly embedded in a discipling community. It's not an individualistic thing. It isn't Lone Ranger territory. It's about committed relationships which are at the heart of the life of a disciple. It belongs in community. And that's when we can be our, our true and our full selves, when we're in relationship with others. Just uh, in terms of looking outwards, I think, again, the 21st century disciple will be involved uh, in the kingdom of God at large, in issues of justice and the needs of the poor and the marginalized, uh, as well as family and workplace. I'd love to see disciples in education, in health, in business, in entertainment. The, the, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, every aspect of life is to be redeemed. And those who are able, I'd love to see in the areas of creativity, in the arts. Discipleship can take us into the places where uh, where the kingdom of God meets. Uh, the, the places of need and, and the kingdom of darkness. Um, I, I would speak along those lines, I think, Andy, in describing the life of a, a disciple today. 
That's, that's, that's terrifically helpful, Tony. Um, time is almost defeated, sadly, but um, uh, CWR is hosting some discipleship forums around the UK based on the, on this theme, uh, mm. and you're going to be speaking along with three other uh, speakers at each uh, of three venues uh, so far. Uh, and in the interest of full disclosure, I will be, I will be chairing them. So <laughs> <laughs> just just uh, for, for listeners, um, that, that's Jim. the case. Yes. <laughs> but um, do you, what do you hope for will happen at those forums, Tony? What do I hope for? Uh, well, I think, uh, I'll tell you one thing I hope for. I think it would be great to see leaders there with varying degrees of experience. I'd like to see, you know, a range from aspiring leaders to experienced leaders. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I hope that it, they will be from a diversity of church backgrounds too. What I'd like to see happen is that we're able to engage honestly with the challenge of discipleship. Um, I think, firstly, the call to be discipled as well as to disciple others, and then to look honestly at the, the challenges that that offers in, uh, in the local church. In terms of an outcome, I think if it leads to a fresh look at, uh, at our values and, and perhaps to new thinking about priorities, and, because personal discipleship takes time. And in leaders' busy lives, those things uh, are always a challenge. But I'd love to see leaders go away from those forums, uh, looking to see their leadership teams leading the way, by example, so that it radiates out from them throughout the whole community. That would be great. Well, that's it. Look, look forward to that very much. I look forward to chairing the, the forums. Um, the, the dates, um, if you happen to be in the uh, Lincoln or within a, an hour of Lincoln on February February the 5th is the first, and then March the 5th is based in London at uh, Evangelical Alliance headquarters and King's Cross, and then March the 25th, uh, sorry, 24th uh, in Stafford. Uh, and so just phone um, CWR's uh, phone number 01252 seven eight four seven hundred and you'll uh, be able to get details of those it's seven pounds fifty for the day so sort of uh, roughly ten till uh, three thirty so um so uh, you can find more details on the cwr website www.cwr.org.uk so tony thank you so much for all you've shared uh, about uh, about discipleship and for your for this book and for the um for the energy that you give to it and the uh, the sense of, of seeking to put this back on the agenda of local churches. Thank you, Andy, it's, uh, and thanks for the opportunity. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you. Well, uh, you, you've been listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Tony Pullin. Uh, he's the author of Making Disciples, uh, How Did Jesus Do It? Uh, it's published by CWR. Uh, again, the uh, website www.cwr.org.uk and you can get um, order a copy of the of that book. Um, but hopefully, uh, it may be this may have piqued your interest to uh, to also book up to actually come and be part of the forum to be uh, to bring your questions and your concerns about discipleship, some of your challenges, maybe some of the the, the fruits of your own labours and the things that have uh, have worked in your particular part of uh, of God's work. So um, do come along and uh, listen to. Uh, the speakers there'll be different speakers on each occasion but tony will be at each one uh, so february 5th lincoln uh, march the 5th uh, ea headquarters in london and march 24th in stafford
So uh, it's been great to have your company uh, today. Do log on to Premier's own website, www.premier.org.uk, and you can listen to archive versions of the Leadership File, including this one in due course. I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.